Hello friends! This is People Are Interesting with Jan K. In each episode of this show, unique individuals share stories that take us on a ride across ideas and places. Featuring crocodile attacks in Indonesia, escaping war-torn Lebanon, and shark protection schemes in Mauritania. This podcast takes you where you've never been before. Enjoy and thank you for joining the club. This summer, I cycled across three countries. It was Lithuania. Wait, is this microphone working well? I think it is. Why is this table vibrating? Anyway, I think now it's going to be better. Across Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia, it took me 10 days. I've been to capitals of all of them. I completely improvised the whole trip. And I guess the point of recording this is for me to have a memory, but I would also like to share my experiences, both in terms of just organizing the whole trip and how everything worked out, my what I've seen, the nature, the people that I talked to, but also there is so much of interesting history behind those three countries because they used to be a part of Soviet of the Soviet Union until early 90s when, when the Soviet Union collapsed. And now they are modernizing as a part of the European Union. So in my opinion, there's a lot of interesting different little flavors to those countries and turned out that one of the best ways to explore them was on a bike, which I did. So how did it all start? I have a map or I will have a Google map pulled out very soon that I will show it to you, the map that is. (laughs) I am confusing myself, linguistically confusing myself and confusing my audience of four people, which most of them will be my friends. But one way or another, Poland, let me show it to you, people. So, screen share. Sharing the screen. Poland, okay? So this is the map of Poland. To those of you ignorance who don't know what what Poland is, it's a country. There is 40 million of us living there. We're all lunatics. The delightful people, great food, good weather, amazing nature. Those of you who haven't been in Poland yet, you should visit. So I took a train from Warsaw to this eastern, northeast Poland, northeast Polish city of Suwałki here. It's not a big city. It's touristic. There are nice lakes around it. Good stuff, generally speaking. And from here, I cycled to the border. But before I talk about this, let me just quickly talk about the things that I took with me. So I had a decent bike, courtesy to to my parents, I could borrow. Or should I say courtesy of my parents? Whatever, English is not my first language. So go figure, Oxford Dictionary is available. I don't have it, but one way or another. So I had a bike. I had those bags that you can fit on your your bike, two of those. And inside I had a small tent, a small sleeping bag, 
this portable stove to heat water. I don't know what those are called one way or another. I had that, I had coffee, I had, I ate a lot of chocolate along the way all the time just to keep myself going. Bread, don't forget about bread. Don't forget about toilet paper if you want to go on a real adventure. You will need that. And I had maybe like one pair of spare underwear. <laughs> that was it. What? Just one guy, right? You don't need a lot of underwear. Why would you need underwear? Let me tell, let me share a secret with you. Guys really don't change underwear that often. We say we do, but I, I really don't know if that's actually the case. Also, this is so weird. I shouldn't take with the microphone. It's not good, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, it was annoying me. Okay, cool. So I had all this equip equipment. I got it at Decathlon for 40 pounds. I had a sleeping bag and I had a tent. Obviously, it was quite warm, so I didn't really need a very specialist equipment. But one thing I would recommend and avoid doing is having a tent that doesn't have a hole in it because when the rain comes, you want to be able to hid, to hide, hid, hide. What is going on with my English? I mean, it was never very good, but anyway. You need to be able to hide and stay dry, which I wasn't able to do because my tent actually had a hole. So when you're looking through your equipment, make sure that this one thing really works well for you. You're not going to regret having a tent without a hole. What am I even saying? Anyway, so I got to this city, which is here. And from there, I was cycling uh, so I haven't figured out the route at all. I I just I just googled it, put in put in Google Maps. There isn't an option for cycling, so they just showed me a way as if, as if you were going by car, and that was a, a huge mistake, because generally speaking, the a lot of routes that I would take were packed were transit routes, so a lot of trucks, not very fun. And I would say that this was probably the biggest problem of, of the journey. What I did only discover after reaching Riga, which is the capital of Lithuania, so after almost a half of my journey, is something called European Eurocycles, Eurocycles, Eurocycling lanes. Those are, they are those cycling lanes that go across all Europe. Let me, let me just quickly look at, look them up. European cycling lanes. That sounds like a company. Eurovelo. Yeah. So it's called Eurovelo and there's so many of them and they go along for example, you can go from the northern tip of Norway to Greece. And they are just gorgeous. They are beautiful. And so once I figured that out, my journey improved noticeably. See, you, you can see the map. So I was personally taking bits of the orange one here and bits of, yeah, and bits of, of yellow one maybe and red. 
I wish I knew about them earlier because what I did was just going a lot along big cycling, uh, big transit routes. And that gave me PTSD from trucks just passing by, you know, that far from me all the time, all day long. That was really annoying. So once I reached the border, that took me almost like a whole day. I got lost. I uh, crossed to... Yeah, so my plan was to go this way from... What is it called? Suvauki to Calvaria to Mariampole to to Kaunas. That was roughly my plan for the first day. I know it's over 100 kilometers, but I have no clue about how much you can cycle on a bike. So I thought it's doable. But almost after maybe 15 minutes or so of cycling, maybe like a few hours, I turned right and I found myself here in this city, Las Diai. And I really should have known better that checking a map is a good idea. But I haven't done it, so I took a bit of a detour, which wouldn't be a bad idea actually, because had I had I had I known that there is this cycling uh, highway, I would probably just stay there, and that would be so much more fun. But one way or another, I got lost, and I ended the day at this lake called Dusha. That's how I would pronounce it in Polish. I don't know how you pronounce it in English. I'd, and I don't know how you'd pronounce it in Lithuanian. It's a beautiful big lake, really shallow, uh, sandy, sandy shores. You can swim. You can enjoy yourself. A lot of places to camp, uh, wild camping. I was mostly doing wild camping, to be honest. Really enjoyable, beautiful stuff. I recommend it to everyone. Maybe I can even find some photos of that. Yeah, let me. One thing that I particularly loved about Lithuania is their countryside. And oh, I stopped the screen share. Or maybe I wasn't even screen sharing ever. Ooh, what a matrix. What a matrix. Okay, people. Wait. No screen share, leave me alone. Um, just as a note to all the listeners, you can, you know, this is a professional recording, right? I am legit. Okay, this is my, this is my camping situation. Peanut butter, coffee, stove to heat the water. Those are all the things, bread, as I've mentioned, those are all the things you really want to have when you're, when you're bivacking. Beautiful stuff. I watched one of one of actually just to take a little detour. One of the key things that I wanted to do during this trip was to engage with nature. And that I did by just catching amazing sunsets. I really wanted to catch great sunsets. And, and, and the second way of engaging with, with the land that I was cycling through was by thinking about its history. 
it has a very turbulent history. A lot has, has been going on there. So I try to focus on those two things. And in my, in this recording of this little adventure, I also hope to, you know, try and focus on, on talking about those two things. So with this little background, one thing that stri strikes me about how Lithuania is different from Poland quite immediately is that their countryside is really, really beautiful. Every, everyone takes really good care. If you, if you cycle past a small city or a village, everyone is taking care of, of their loans so well it, probably one of the most beautiful loans are not golf courses somewhere in the uk or in the us but loans that grandmas in lithuania take care of it's just a thing of art so you will have th those little sleepy villages and that everything there is very rustical and very feels like a, a little bit sleepy and forgotten but you have beautifully taken care of grass and another thing maybe i can actually find this is they paint the their windows they paint their windows in yellow red and green colors so you would have you quite often you would have white white house or actually the houses are wooden not so not always white and and those colorful windows which looks beautiful also flower gardens people in lithuania really take care of their flower gardens so all together and whereas i would say that in poland villages are way more industrialized they are they don't have this rustical vibe to them not at all in my opinion they are a little bit more because they are more lively in a way so it's just not the same thing in in lithuania those villages are quite forgotten in my opinion which which so they preserve themselves like they were in you know 100 years ago almost or like 70 years ago and that's for tourists for a tourist that's a big attribute whether that's a whether that's actually good for people that live there that's another question and that actually made me think of one observation of mine that i have there which is that countryside is definitely 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 depopulating in lithuania no question about it a lot of those villages are sleepy because there's barely anyone living in them and if there is someone living in them it's a it's an old person there's also a lot of dogs usually not on a leash and sometimes they will give you a good chase which is fun but also i've been bitten by a dog once when i was cycling not during that trip i was six when that dog bit me and it bit my ass and i fell off the bike and i had to get a shot 
because I don't remember what is the name of this disease that dogs carry, but we couldn't find the owner and of that dog that bit me, my grandma couldn't find the owner. So I had to get a shot so I don't go crazy. Anyway, so villages in Lithuania are depopulating and very beautiful, very, they have like this nice homey vibe. And I'm now trying to find some pictures of those cause they are really quite something. Oh no, not Google maps. I want to say images. Oh, perfect. Sweet. Okay. Let me do a screen share again. Boom. I don't know who's the owner of those photos. I'm not making any money on this podcast. I just want to show people how the villages how the villages look. This is this is a very this I would see a lot of that. That looks great in my opinion. I would see a lot of that. See those yellow wooden houses with with those windows painted. To me this is one of the most gorgeous things I have seen there. So just lazy cycling along the country seeing villages like that it's really really enjoyable one thing that i would oh and by the way when i so i cycled across literally the whole lithuania because if you can see it here i started here where the dot is and i cycled all the way oh yeah all the way up, up here. So I cycled across the whole Lithuania. I've seen a lot. So you can trust me when I say that the villages in Lithuania are great. No, don't take my word for it. You should go see it yourself. Where was I going with it? Where was I going with it? That's a good question. I keep losing my thought. I'm thinking that I'm developing some sort of Alzheimer, Alzheimer's disease where I don't know if you can develop an Alzheimer's disease if you're 24. Maybe I will, maybe I will be the first documented case because I keep losing my train of thought. It's worrying. But anyway, first night I slept by this beautiful lake, Lithuanian villages, we talked about it. Oh, I know. Another funny thing is that I saw bus stops somewhere in the countryside and uh, those bus stops, those bus stop sheds would have doors in them and windows, which made me think that the public transport probably is so scarce there that when you go to catch a bus, you literally move into the bus stop, which is not ideal, I would imagine. But yeah, that was, I'm sure that that was a lot of fun. I got chased by a big dog in Kaunas, actually, which was on the second day. I have never cycled this fast because this dog looked mean, this dog looked angry, this dog looked like he has some unprocessed childhood trauma going on. And I didn't want to talk 
I didn't want to find out exactly what kind of trauma that was. So I cycled for my life. Good for me. I survived. I survived to tell this tale. Okay, we're getting a little bit loose here. I can see. Kaunas. Let's talk about Kaunas, which is probably one of the it's very industrial the city not very pleasant in my opinion but i i i have met a guy who said that he personally likes kaunas a lot but i will just give you my take let's ignore the guy who says the kaunas is nice the side of the city that i entered into so that would be south is very industrial a lot of industrial wasteland and if I'm going to say the industrial word again, I'm probably going to kill myself. Anyway, the city center is pretty good. There's a big river flowing, going through it. And then the north side of Kaunas is, oh, I'm, am I going to sneeze? Maybe not. And the north side of Kaunas is actually much better, in my opinion. The, 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 there's nice houses and I can see that there's nice nature. People live well there. What else is there to be said? So on the second night, I actually camped by the road. I will. I stopped by this and, and he, there you will see an example of... An example of... A, a good, well-maintained Lithuanian grass. Why are the pictures not working? Oh, me shirtless. Okay. Let's see. So I slept by this little castle. I thought, you know, there's a Lithuanian flag. There's a cross that you can't see here. I think I'm going to be okay and safe. There is well-maintained grass to camp. So I thought everything is cool. And this is a view of, 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 of the nature in Lithuania. Beautiful blue sky, amazing green, fresh looking fields. What, what more do you need? What more would you want? You don't want, you don't want any more. Let me, let me just tell that to you straight away. There isn't anything else you need from life than just a view like this. Maybe I can find some more. Wait, let's see. Yeah, that's how everything looked there. Just big fields, nice weather, uh, this combination of light green and deep blue of the sky made me quite poetic. I <laughs> uh, loved it. I strongly recommend. The one thing that I would probably say isn't good for, for Lithuanians is that they have Euro now they pay in euros and apparently that really hit them hard when they i want to say that they took they they changed their currency around 2012 so apparently it's been hard for them and i'm not saying this based on 
any particular knowledge. It's just some people that I talk to there and they might not know anything and they might just be, you know, hating on the new currency without any good reason. I don't know. And all those three countries, by the way, use Euro. So it's all actually, it's quite expensive there everywhere to be completely fair. I think, I think that's probably a bit of a problem for tourists that do not come from Western Europe. For example, if I cycle there from Poland, Poland is definitely much, much cheaper, no comparison. And Lithuania, I don't think people per capita income in Lithuania is more than Poland, to be fair, which means that they are way out, way more out of pocket. Uh, what uh, GDP per capita Lithuania versus Poland GDP GDP per capita Lithuania versus Poland okay this is hmm, this is what I want to know is Lithuania richer than Poland perfect question I, my guess is my guess is no. My guess is gonna be no. Oh my, but they are. They are much, yeah, they are. Oh, I'm completely wrong then, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, they're doing much better. How curious. Good for them. Okay, I was completely wrong then. What about Poland against Latvia? Because Latvia is one of the poorest countries in the EU. Let's find out. No, I don't want to follow you on Facebook. I just want to know the data you have, guys. Compare. Mm, even Latvia is more. That's That doesn't seem realistic, but maybe I'm just... What do I know actually, right? I don't know too much, so it's fine. What else? Latvians and Lithuanians, I'm glad that you're doing so good. So where was I in my great adventure? Where was I? Oh, I know. So the second or third day, I think it was the second day actually. I cycled all the way from this little lake here Oh, I'm not screen sharing, guys. My bad. Let's screen share a bit. Yes, we will. No problem. I cycled all the way from this lake here, which is, as you can see, well, let me see. Let me show it to you here. Okay, I cycled from here to my dear friends somewhere somewhere here probably somewhere here a lot of cycling a lot of cycling done well done me well done you jan i know so that was a lot no wait i'm confusing everything i don't know if that was the second day or the third day when but one of those one of those days I cycled all the way, as I already mentioned, along the transit route. And I 
definitely do not encourage anyone to do that. It's a stupid idea. It's a dangerous idea. It's not an enjoyable idea to execute. And at some point, you're going to find yourself completely frustrated thinking, what am I doing? Am I trying to kill myself? Am I trying to make my old mother cry over my grave when my disfigured body that has been chewed up by truck tires will be spat onto the roadside. That's exactly what I was thinking back then. So be smarter than me and just use the Eurovelo, okay? You're not gonna regret it. Then the, then the day after, I went completely crazy. And I cycled from here all the way up to the Lithuanian border. Is that possible? Because I remember that on the third day, I cycled, I was on the Lithuanian border. I slept on the Lithuanian border. Hmm. Maybe that's the case, actually. Maybe that is the case. And it's very interesting. So all the all all together, the 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 land is very flat there all the time. And there are forests. There are mostly in Lithuania. It's mostly fields. And in Latvia, things change already a little bit. First of all, the land is even more scarcely populated than Lithuania. And to me, coming from Poland, Lithuania was already way more scarcely populated than Poland. And Poland, by comparison to Germany or France or the UK, isn't, isn't densely populated at all, actually. So that gives you... And, you know, the road system actually quite well reflects that quite well because in Latvia, you would have... a a normal road like the ones that are white here and those roads they can be a gravel road so you will have trucks going on gravel roads and that's a little bit annoying because there's so much dust going from from the road but you know it is what it is. I remember finding myself go, and it's hard to cycle along a gravel road. Is it gravel or is it gravel? No, gravel, I think. And so I remember myself cycling and swearing, cursing Latvians, cursing Lithuanian, Lithuanians, cursing their roads, cursing my bike, cursing my stupid idea to cycle. And remember, I am not a cyclist. I am just a guy. So doing over 100 kilometers on a bike every day for three days straight was by then really getting under my skin. It was getting really hard. I couldn't feel my knees. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm in a decent physical shape. It's not like I'm not. But it was just hard. It's grueling. It's grinding. And after a while, even the landscapes are not compensating for the pain in your lower body. It's just becoming annoying. 
you don't want to do it anymore, but you're in the middle of nowhere. You want to get where somewhere. So the only way is to keep cycling. So it's this, it's, it can turn into a bit of a vicious cycle if you're too much in your head. It's cycling is actually one of those things that a lot of it has to do with your mindset and how you think about it. I think personally, because it's a little bit like running or swimming. The, the activity is very, it can be very monotonous. Just the act of, you know, pedaling, making the wheels spin. There's not that much going on. And the landscape, when you're moving, let's say 15 or 20 kilometers an hour, it's not changing as much, especially where I was cycling. It, it, it would be fairly similar quite often. So it's turning a little bit into a mind game because you're tired, it's hot usually, it's really hot usually. And you think that you have eight hours of cycling ahead of you. In hindsight, probably it's a good idea to not cycle for more than six hours a day, but I would cycle for 14, I don't know. It's just the kind of person I am, I guess. And I really wanted to get to Riga as quickly as possible. Here's the thing. It's probably a good idea to just go easy on yourself if you go on holiday. But I wanted to see how fast I can get to Riga. So I did 400, over 400, I think, kilometers in three days. And that was pretty challenging. Fast forward. I am all because the cycle across Latvia wasn't particularly interesting and it lasted only one day. I need some water. As I said, the pop, the, there's even less villages, the, the, there's even more nature in Latvia in the part that I have seen. And it's actually really nice. I kind of liked it. I probably would prefer more lakes like in L L L Lithuania. So you can relax a bit, but it is what it is. And so I reached Riga, which is a big city to me. It's it's jarring how such a tiny country, because their population is, what is the population of Latvia? Alexa, what's the population of Latvia? No, I'm just kidding, I don't have Alexa. Population, it's less than 2 million. It's actually 1,900,000 people in 2020. That's the population. It's bizarre that a country small like this can sustain a city that it's the size of pop yeah oh okay there's only half a million of people uh, 600,000 people living in Riga but probably around Riga there is another 600,000 which would mean that over 50% of people in Latvia yeah in Latvia live in or around Riga which to me is crazy because it is it has this cosmopolitan vibe. It's basically 
you so you know how russians russians are a bit of a one-trick pony when it comes to or or should i say soviet russians are a bit of a one-trick pony when it comes to building their cities they want they want every city to look like a little moscow basically that's what i think that's what they are good at i've been to moscow they're really good at making a huge huge city moscow is definitely impressive and i think they were so impressed by how impressive moscow is that they just basically it's like they're exporting product they are exporting their skill of turning cities to look like a small moscow everywhere around the world or so should i say i I should rather probably say everywhere around the soviet bloc and i know what i'm talking about because i lived in warsaw which is trying to be a little moscow in the 50s they were trying you know there were some projects to turn poland to turn warsaw into a little moscow like for example pałac kultury which in russia and moscow you have eight of those and in poland you have just one so you know they should have tried better i think let me show you what i'm everyone knows it's in like an iconic site pałac kultury No, not Amazon. Oh, wait, Polish keyboard, Polish keyboard. Oh, it's Kultura. Okay, so this is the, the Palace of Culture and Science. It's it's this big neo, I think the, the, the style of those building, this architecture style is called Sots, so social realism and they build it during the stalinist era so it's pretty gloomy it looks to me it looks like a big skeleton of of a mammoth just standing in the middle of a city and in moscow they have eight of them as i've mentioned and they are more impressive than this one even and funnily enough, in Riga, they kind of also have that. <laughs> there is a theory that they they were building those to deceive American bombers when they would be flying to annihilate, you know, Moscow during the Cold War. So hopefully they would be mistaken and just attack Warsaw or Riga. I don't know if this is true. Maybe it's just a joke, probably just a joke. But one way or another, it's it was bizarre that such a tiny population can sustain a city as big as Riga. But then I understood that it's, it's probably Russians or Soviets did it. Because, well, probably both, because the... Riga was, and generally speaking, Latvia, they were part of the Russian Empire for hundreds of years. And then the Soviet Empire, right? So, and Estonia as well, by the way. So I think Russians just arranged the population around Riga. Even if you look at the road system, all the roads go to Riga 
Riga is like a central point for this part of 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 Europe. It's it's it it's it's almost it's visible at first. Just one look at it, and it's clear, right? That Riga is the the focal point around for the region, and and so I think that's the kind of a role it had for in in the empire. That's why there is a lot of big monumental buildings there and generally speaking there's been a lot of there's a lot of russians there i want to say that the russian speaking or ethnically russian population of of latvia is around 20 percent i i need to double check it but russian population lat Latvia 2020. Let's find out. Demographics of Latvia. <laughs> Isn't it funny, by the way, that it's hard to... Okay. Let's see. <laughs> what do we have here? Uh, oh, my God. Wait, what is that? Nationality, 42, but what? 42 of what? Mm. Let's see. You, you, can, you just can't trust Wikipedia, can you? Russians in Latvia. Let's see. Uh, when the size of the community grew from 8.8 .8 of the population to 34, falling to 25 at the beginning of 2018. Yes, and this is a statistic from Central Statistical Bureau of Latvia. So it's, it's, it's you know, reliable. So there is every fourth person in Latvia is a Russian. That's a lot. Imagine what other country has such a big population of foreigners. But and but that's exactly the point I was trying to make is that when I said which other country has such a significant population of foreigners in their country, but these are not really foreigners. Russians in Latvia are people who, generally speaking, have money. Uh, when I went to this resort on the sea, and also, uh, which is called, let, let's take it step by step. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a bit carried away. So I reached Riga, and then I went to this resort called Yurmala, which is a beautiful place, pricey again, and full of Russians. Because this spot was traditionally except for the Black Sea resorts, such as Crimea, a place where high ranks of the Soviet Communist Party would go on holiday, because this is the, this is the closest you actually can go from Moscow or St. Petersburg, where you have like a nice beach and the good weather, is Riga. Probably, obviously, in like Estonia and stuff like that too. But 
but that's that's what that's why there are so many Russians there. The Russians basically wanted to assimilate those, you know, this land for themselves. I think that's why they would they would send so many Russians there during Soviet and especially Soviet times. Anyway, so Yurmala, let me show you some pictures because it's really beautiful. They have the, their traditional. Uh, the traditional architecture there, which in my opinion is beautiful. It's always made of wood, painted in those pastel colors. I, sh I should be able to find something. Let me just look quickly. Okay, there we go. Uh, my big face now, and now... And this is the kind of traditional buildings in Yurmala. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. They look a bit Scandinavian, in my opinion, even though I have never been in Scandinavia, but I'm guessing that's how it would look like. But also, not far from there, you would have houses like this. Let, let's find it. Let's find it. And that was, I was, I was really shocked. By the by, how impressive those houses were. Okay, here we have it. Photos share. Okay, I hope you can see them. So, okay, this is not the impressive house, but this is another example of the kind of architecture that you can see there. As you remember, colored painted windows it's a theme that kind of occurred also in lithuania but that's nothing even though this house is probably quite pricey there but that's nothing because you have houses like this one okay this house is a mansion it's it's absolutely gorgeous it's i think it's the kind of like a classical built it make me think of paris and i i would i want to say it's inspired by parisian architecture that's how it looks to me and how just how gorgeous this is and and that speaks to the to the to the point that i was making earlier about the wealthy russians there russians love big cars huge huge cars it's a symbol of status to them it's a symbol of wealth a big car the more money you have in russia the bigger the car you have and so you can see on the streets of yurmala this this sea resort they you have huge cars often on russian plates and or should I say with Russian plates? I don't know, but registration number is from Russia. That, that's the point I was trying to make. So this, this country is still very much interconnected with Russia. I, I would imagine that a lot of money is coming from Russia and it's generally speaking, you know, I don't know if it's good or if, or it's, if it's bad, but 
you can see what, what's happening with this money that comes into the country like this mansion i don't know if it's a new built man- mansion actually or whether it's it's just been renovated but it's absolutely stunning but you also have houses like this very modernist and you can see like one porsche here a huge uh, range rover here so considering that the you know, income per capita is like in Poland. It's it's very clear that those houses almost don't fit into the kind of society that is around them. So the money must come from somewhere. I'm not sure where does it come from, but it's it's absolutely beautiful. Okay, let me see if I have anything else that is worth sharing i think this these are some pictures from yeah so this is this is riga not the this, the resort but the, just riga itself so you can see very very kind of it makes me think of warsaw in, in some ways oh that's my stupid face <laughs> anyway I spent there a few days. I was exhausted. And then I decided to also how long for how long have I been recording this thing already? I uh, yeah, it's okay. I want to just say that mm, I don't remember. I'm losing my train of thought again. But what I wanted to say is that I took a train from Riga. Oh yeah, let's find out about more about Russians and because uh, it's very interesting. Because people who live in Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, they don't really. They are not Slavic, they are not German or Germanic, I should say. So they're not Slavs, they're not Germans, they're not Nordic. They're the, they are a different kind of people. And they are called the Bolts because the Baltic Sea. The Bolts or the Baltic people are a group of Indo-European people primarily characterized as speakers of the Baltic languages. And those Baltic languages are Latvia, Latvian and Lithuanian. And so they are, they are their own self in a way. They are different than everything around them. Estonians, of which I'm gonna speak in a bit, are a different, they're an, again, a different story. Oh, I'm shaking the camera. Again, they are something else. So back to the map, bang. In Riga, I hopped on the train and this train took me to Valga, which is a, a city in Estonia. It took me here, Valga, it's an, not much going on there, to be honest. 
one and my plan was to cycle to um, Tallinn which is the capital of which is the capital of Estonia so Estonia is a I can't say enough good things about Estonia it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen I love Estonia I love that the landscape is different than the landscape in Latvia and Lithuania Estonian landscape is way more birch trees way more marshes more mosquitoes more coniferous trees and I personally loved Estonia a lot I love the you know that they have something completely different to offer compared to um, compared to Lithuania with, with it with its countryside that we spoke of already or I should say I spoke of Estonia is way more naturalistic it's I can also I could see that the landscape there is very different people in Estonia their their lifestyle I think is very different they they are Scandinavian they are quite Scandinavian in my opinion the way they carry themselves and just generally speaking what they're up to in life they cycle a lot everyone is cycling in Estonia whereas I didn't see a lot of like cyclists for fun in Latvia or Lithuania they drive Volvos and I think they are much wealthier than Lithuanians and Latvians on average the there are cycling lanes everywhere and their architecture is also different it's more I would say what is what what to an ignorant like me would be Scandinavian architecture. So I think even let, let's 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 quickly see if I can find something. Estonian architecture. Oh no, but see they're they are giving me some modernist stuff. Mm, yeah, so one, one, one side of architecture that you can find in Estonia is, is this Baroque and Rococo architecture, which is mostly built by the Russians when Estonia was a part of the Russian Empire. And the center of Tallinn is like that. But also there's a lot of classical buildings there again which are insanely beautiful in my opinion just like paris is beautiful or just like london is beautiful um or just like germany with their old towns is is absolutely beautiful so i'm just trying to find estonian wood wood houses yeah perfect that's what I'm looking. Oh, no, that's not what I'm looking for. Not at all, actually. Eh, it's a bit crappy. 
But actually, now that I think of it, this house that I... Hmm. No, it's actually not. I'm, get, I'm getting a little bit, you know... Because I really want to... Oh, yeah, okay, that's great. Let me do a screen share now. Somehow I managed to pull up some pictures. So this is how it would look like. Those are obviously like a little bit old and a lot of them is nice and well-maintained and beautiful and functional. Oh, this is perfect. This is, per this is a good example. That's how things look, kind of look. Oh, this is another perfect example. Hmm. They have those build, this kind of buildings, which I, I think is rather beautiful. And like this, I, to me, this looks kind of Scandinavian. So, but you know, what do I know? Actually, it's the same thing in Siberia. A lot of towns there and cities in Siberia, the old towns before the, the communism came with their hideous, hideous concrete slabs and all that boring, boring things were actually made of wood like in those pictures because those houses would apparently be very good for to it's really good to heat them it's easy to heat them and in russia where you have minus 70 hundred degrees you definitely want that so that that's just a little detour i remember when i went to samara which is the city in russia uh, let me show you um i'm gonna go back come back to estonia very soon samara is here it's very close to kazakhstan samara okay here a lot of the old town in samara see this is where samara is middle of nowhere a lot of the old towns there. Oh, yeah. And they have this funky rocket because they used to build most of the rockets. The, the, the rocket industry of Russia, of the Soviet Union, was actually located in Samara. So they to memorize this, they have this rocket. Cool. But the center of Samara is actually a bit neglected but the but of, of course some parts of it aren't especially they were done up in the run-up to the world cup in 2018 but the parts of the old school old school town are made of wood the houses are wooden and kind of like in the pictures that i showed you because again they were the most functional in that weather so so yeah now back to Estonia. In Estonia, the cycling lanes are the best. And in Estonia, I already followed this Eurovelo cycling route, which I wish I found it earlier in Latvia and Lithuania, but I didn't know about it. But also, I don't think there was, and that's, that's what I read on the internet as well, that in those countries, that is Latvia and Lithuania, the, the, the cycling lanes just aren't a thing. People don't cycle that much. 
And so I don't know how useful they would be. Whereas like in, whereas in Estonia, the cycling routes are really well marked. There's a lot of just separate routes. So you are not cycling. There's a lot of cycling lanes. So you don't have to cycle uh, on the road with cars and all this not fun stuff. So I strongly recommend cycling along Estonia. Great stuff. But I got a bit bored, to be fair, after a day or so of cycling. My knees were hurting again. I was a bit tired and it was hot. But just before I tell you what happened, uh, just before I tell you what happened after I was getting a bit bored, I must say that I spent one night uh, wild camping in Estonia and it was the best. I It was the longest day of the year. So the sun was up. I want to say that around 1 a.m. or so, it was still up. And I saw one of the greatest sunsets ever. I slept by this lake. I, I will try to pull up a picture of this because it was just it was just stunning. Mm, actually, maybe this is a good place to show some of the yeah, so this is this this is it. Let me now let me now screen share. Okay. So and what's what let me see what's the timestamp for this photo. Mm, what's the timestamp? Oh, okay, so this is at 10, 10 18 minutes past 10 p.m. and the sun is still up there. And it didn't like it there was a lot of this pink and yellow and orange light around the horizon the whole night because the sun didn't like disappear that far behind the horizon which was stunning amazing amazing view it was one of the the most the most beautiful experiences i would say just to, to just to catch good sunsets let me show you some other ones What are they? Where are they? This is a, I would say, a more traditional kind of a sunset that you would expect. This is in Riga. Very beautiful. This is the sea, the Baltic Sea. The clouds, everything is nice. Everything is cool. You can relax. The sunset is... And again, this is past 10 and the sun is still there. So, you know, the days were really long. Okay, let's let's see if I have any other good sunsets, but it's quite likely that I don't. To be fair, a lot of a lot of a lot of just amazing nature and amazing amazing views. Let me just see if I can find something. Oh yeah, let me just mute it and put it on the screen share. Okay, there we go. So this is, it's 10 p.m. And this is how bright it was. I don't know if the resolution is any good, but I was just cycling in the middle of nowhere in Estonia. 
and this is just how it looks there. I should probably turn my camera a bit slower, but you get the vibe. It's just a relaxing environment. The sun is setting, the nature is everywhere around me. It's a good place to be. And maybe I can find some more just to get, give you an idea of the road. Oh, perfect. Okay. Let's see. This is how a road in Estonia would look like quite often and in Latvia and Estonia as well. But see, it's very interesting because I was moving north all the time. The vegetation season was, I was kind of moving back in time almost when it comes to the nature. Because while in, in south of Lithuania or even in Poland, obviously vegetation was at least a few weeks more progressed, I would say. So that's why the colors were very different in each country. In, Lat in Lithuania, the green was much darker, much richer. Whereas in Estonia, it was much more of a light green everywhere. And I think those little details are important if you want to immerse in nature, just observing those, those small things, that's, that, that's really what, what made it for me personally. Maybe I can find some, some other examples of what I have seen. Let's see. I'm just trying to find some, oh yeah. I think that would be a, a good example, potentially. Okay. So, the, oh no, I don't want to open a word. <laughs> the vegetation is more advanced. This is from Lithuania. See, the green fields are much, the, the more dark green. My stupid face again. Um, actually, Jan, stop being, stop being abusive towards yourself. Your face isn't stupid. Your face is normal. You're just a normal boy. I am, I know. Now back to the storyline. After cycling across... Estonia for a day and a half. I've been to Tartu actually just to check it out quickly. It's a nice, it's a nice place. I maybe I can show you a video, um, or maybe it's a waste of time. But I got a bit bored, so I decided to hop on a train. Trains in Estonia are good, cheap, and in I want to say in forty minutes or an hour, I was in in Tallinn. Tallinn is a beautiful city, beautiful city center, quite expensive, but I, I guess that's to be expected. Uh, let's see if I can. Mm. 
Yeah. Okay. So I was cycling and the, the, the surface was uneven. So I think camera had a really hard time, but you know, life, it is what it is. That's how it look. Oh my God. It's jamming. Okay. That's not working. That's not going to work. I need to probably just pause it. Oh, by the way, that's really funny how my back looked after just being, I, I had this pouch on my back and it's this white stripe and my white butt. That's so funny. It just, I got beaten down with sun for just, it, it, it lasted only a few days, but it was more than enough. It was actually over those few days that I was cycling, what I want to say was 10 days. I only had one rain, but that was enough. Cause as I told you, there was a hole in my tent. So luckily there was only one day of, of rain. Cause I don't know what I would do if I would find myself somewhere in Estonia with, that's actually an interesting point. What I would do if I would find myself in Estonia with a leaking tent, everything wet, it's cold, it's late evening, mosquitoes, um, lack of food, malnutrition, malaria, all those terrible things could happen to me, but they haven't because it was sun all the time. So good for me. And I reached Tallinn. Tallinn was quite pretty. I looked around. Uh, it's very funny what Estonians say about Finnish people because they the, the two, they are quite similar. Their language is quite similar. But Estonians say they are more civilized than fin Finnish because Finnish are just sitting in the forest. And those are words of, a, of an Estonian, not, not myself. That Finnish just sit in the forest and they're kind of wild and kind of out there. Which was pretty funny. And that was really it. From then on, I was exhausted and tired. So I was trying to mostly take trains back home because I didn't really think I could cycle back back home, not with my level of fitness, at least. I think it would it would take a good cyclist to to do the whole loop without taking any trains. So on my way back, I was taking trains. I met this funny guy who emerged from on the train, who was actually English from Manchester, but he emerged from like a forgotten village somewhere in Estonia where he was chopping wood and just living off land for a few weeks and helping at this farm. And he said he loved it. Good for him if he liked it. Sounded like a very wholesome experience to me. And he said he lives in Riga. He loves it. He loves everything about Riga. Again, very interesting lifestyle, I think, to move from the UK to Riga. I was thinking out of all places, why Riga, right? Because it's not an obvious choice. I'm not saying it's a bad choice, but it's not an obvious choice. So that was really, really interesting to find out what this guy is up to. I think he lives a pretty alternative lifestyle. And that was, that was really it. On my way back, I was stopping by, especially in Poland, actually, but also, oh, by the way, one thing I forgot to add was that in Riga, you have actually a lot of signs of mass deportations during World War II. There is this one stop, um, a train stop in Lithuania, Latvia called, let me try to find it. Tor canals, 
let's and one night they just decided literally that the soviets that they will deport 20,000 people to kazakhstan just overnight like that they just took people mostly probably like uh, you know educated latvians who could be potentially uh, form resistance to the soviet occupation because i don't know maybe some of you don't know it just a quick recap i guess of history was that oh that sounded patronizing what i wanted to say is this in the before the world war ii lithuania estonia and latvia were actually independent countries they broke away from the from russia after the collapse of after the revolution and they were independent during the between the wars between the world wars and in the 40 in in 1940 russians re-entered and annexed those three countries and that was it for their independence they these countries were small they couldn't oppose the you know soviet russia of course and so russians or soviets i should say wanted to take control of the country one of the good ways to take control of the country is to kill its intelligentsia, right? Or however you say it, intelligentsia, intelligentsia, the, in, the educated people who can be in charge of resistance, just cut them, cut them, erase them. And that's what they did. And this place, uh, Tor... This is so rough. Oh yeah, Torn Kanan. Oh my God, I can't even pronounce it. Tornakalns. Tornakalns is this part of Riga. Um, and there's this deportation that took place there just overnight. Let's uh let's find out i'm just gonna use wikipedia for it because i don't remember very well um oh yeah so here we go in the 1940s the soviet union annexed uh, latvia and yeah the mass deportation that i told told you about of political and social threats to the new communist government exactly and and this neighborhood Oh, yeah. So affluent people live there. There we go. Mm. Most of the houses were confiscated and divided into smaller units, units or turned into public places. And I, I think it was like 20,000 people. 20,000 people is half a stadium. That's so many people. And that is actually one of the last themes that I want to talk about, about this trip. Especially when I was getting close to Poland, it was also in Lithuania, but in Poland too, mass graves, mass graves everywhere. Literally every few kilometers, you find a place that is in memory of soldiers 
who were either killed by the Nazis or killed by the Soviets. There are mass graves everywhere. And it's, you know, it's a living history in the sense that huh, it's a good joke, right? A living history about mass graves. Because those, 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 those graves, those monuments are usually hidden somewhere in the forest because that's where, you know, those, the perpetrators would hide those, those, those bodies. They wouldn't bury them with all the ceremonies. No, they would just like dump them somewhere in the forest. So it's important to remember about those places because they are hidden, literally hid, hidden. And sometimes you need to take, take a turn and cycle into the forest a bit, and then you will find it. And good that there are descriptions because they are pretty extensive, those descriptions. And you can learn a lot of local history about it, or it's not even local history, but usually it's really extremely sad. It's those examples of the most terrible barbaric acts. And it's, I, I think it's, good it's good to forgive but it's also important to keep in mind those things not to not in a sense of a resentment but just to have a whole picture and i would say that this cycle was also pretty significant for that there was this operation after world war ii in around the city of suvauki where i started so it was here let me just show you. So it was, oh, that's, we're only in Lithuania. Okay, now, so it was close to the city of Suvauki, um, this operation, which the the whole point of, of this operation was to get the resist, the, you know, there was this underground movement of soldiers who were fighting for the independence of Poland from Nazis and from the Soviets. Likewise, they hated both, rightfully so, generally speaking. And then I think there was this, this the Soviets. So first the, the Nazis were, were absolutely decimating the local populations and then the Soviets entered and they started doing exactly the same thing. So all those graves are a testimony to this. And I just want to find this, uh, this, the name of this operation. Because I think it's really important to include that. I can't find it now. It's a shame. But they set this terrible trap for those people and, and soldiers. And a lot of them were actually just scouts. So they were young, I think. And they just captured them and killed them and put them in all those grave, graves in the forest, unmarked graves. So, yeah. I'm, I know I'm ending on the positive note, but this is literally the chronology of the events. So the, the, the graves I actually encountered towards the, the end on, on my way back. 
So that was it. I, I, I'm glad I recorded this because I can, I will be able to refer back to it later in the in the future. Cool.